Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Statesman Sports Desk podcast. I am Dalton Renshaw. I'm here today with Jake Nelson, or Nielsen, sorry. How's it going, Jake? I know, instantly. We just retake, retake. How's it going, Jake? <laughs> pretty, pretty great. I'm sure, he's, I'm, I'm sure he's never heard the Nelson thing right. ever <laughs> in his life. That's just a Freudian slip, I guess. I just know too many Nelsons. <laughs> All right, and uh, that is Jake yeah. or Jason Walker. Wow, I'm butchering everybody's names. Too many J's. <laughs> too many J's, dude. It's true. Jason Walker. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, we'll just say okay, given the circumstances. Yeah, obviously circumstances aren't great. We're going to get into uh, – Utah State football and Mountain West football as a whole. Obviously not the best time for that right now, seeing as there will be no sports for the foreseeable future. But um, yeah, so let's just start there. Obviously, if you guys haven't figured out by now, um, five days ago, Mountain West came out and said they would be postponing fall sports in entirety. A couple days before they had Wait, postponed. What? Yeah, no, big news, right? Breaking. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, no. So um, one of three conferences now to uh completely or is it four now big 10 pac 12 and the the mac that's right in the mac uh yeah, one cares, of four who cares about the max <laughs> hey uh, action well, football guys well, football. except espn they, they uh, yeah espn they did their they had like a conference by conference breakdown of everyone who canceled sports and they just like well, so we're nice. just gonna ignore the, their how many conferences like eight seven eight conferences I think it was ten conferences. Ten conferences. So see, even I, see, even I'm low. <laughs> well, regardless, um, yeah, regardless. So, so uh, one of four conferences um, that have officially postponed or canceled their sports. Um, but the kind of the questions right now are going to be: Are they playing sports at all? When will that be? What will that look like? But before we get into that, just both of you guys, what were your first kind of instincts, your reactions when? this all happened and did you kind of think it was trending in that direction once you started to see things kind of breaking down across the country so for the longest time i was optimistic they'd be playing college football and when they started cutting down the schedule it was like okay college football is still going to happen this is just the, the sacrifice we have to make you know you can see they were making the concerted effort you know 10 game schedule or whatnot you know or eight conference games so i figured okay they're still going to play but obviously there's going to be a difference. But then just as it got closer and closer and nothing was really changing with the situation with COVID-19, about a day or two before the announcement, I lost hope. I finally flipped from they're still going to play to we're done here. And like I said, a day or two later, it came out. And so it wasn't nearly as impactful for me as far as like in the moment that I read the words, Mountain West football is being canceled. You know, it wasn't as big for me because I'd already given up hope and I'd already assumed that was going to be the case. So it, it was not the greatest moment overall as far as, you know, the two or three day span where I'd made that flip. But it you know, just is what it is at this point. And we just got to kind of live with it now. What about yeah. you, Jake? Um, I, I was extremely disappointed because, like, what's fall without college football. Like it's going to be really big change. Um, obviously we knew that kind of the dominoes were falling. And so I wasn't surprised. I was a little surprised that the mountain West, um, they were one of the first to opt out. I thought that they were going to wait 
for the Pac-12 and the Big Ten to go before they went, and they just sent it. Um, and so very disappointing, especially with Utah State. Like, um, they the players have been there since the summer, and as we know, they none of the players up in Logan got tested positive for the virus, and it was looking like things were maybe gonna it was gonna be smooth sailing ish and then they announced the schedule and i was really excited about that they even included two non-conference games so in my mind i'm like oh they're feeling out of those probably won't happen but like they're feeling pretty good right now and then <laughs> it uh yeah it all kind of came crashing down pretty quick so yeah it was kind of weird that when they announced the schedule, I thought it was really weird timing. Whereas like, I, I wasn't necessarily thinking that this is, you know, a really solid step and there will be a season, but it did feel weird that a lot of the conferences were talking about postponing and they decided to raise the schedule. And so it felt like maybe Utah state would be kind of exempt from that and they would be on the right track. But um, yeah, only a couple of days later and they end up canceling the season. It just all feels like really weird timing and, I guess you can't really necessarily plan for something like this. You have to kind of just go based on the advice of what people are telling you. But um, yeah, just, it, it kind of was all weird. I didn't think it was really um, necessarily happening in the moment when it happened. Cause I, I thought just like same with you, Jake, I thought it would be one of the last conferences to conferences to go. I thought it'd be the big conferences to go. And I thought the, maybe the G5 ones would try to hold out hope a little bit longer because of, you know, all the different ramifications that are going to be, at play with that for them compared to a lot of the P5 schools. Yeah. And one thing Jake mentioned that I hadn't really heard anything about, you know, USU football players testing positive, maybe one or two, and I just didn't notice. Um, but the thing I think I said to Dalton um, just in the phone call the other day was that I thought that um, Utah State, is, as far as us here, we'd be fine with COVID-19. It's not hit. Utah very hard, especially Logan, um, with the one exception being like, you know, there's the Hiram, the meat, right. uh, the, the meat plant yeah. had the outbreak. That's pretty much the only notable thing that's happened around here. People haven't hit that hard. So Utah State could be fine as far as COVID-19 diagnosis, be very limited. It would be everyone else because you have, you know, bigger metropolitan areas. You have, you know, schools in California and just – different places where it becomes a lot harder, you know, when you start mixing, you know, the teams up and travel and all that. So Utah State would just kind of be a victim of everyone else kind of having issues. I'm not going to say blaming and saying that all these places are, you know, doing a bad job. It's just that's how it ends up being. Logan's a much more rural, isolated area, so it's not going to be hit as hard. And there's the, like I said, the bigger metropolitan areas. So, Utah State would just kind of end up being a victim of bigger city schools having bigger problems with the virus. So it's not like it's Utah State fans' fault for not following the guidelines. It's just well, and that's the, the whole situation. That's the tough part about um, looking at the virus as a whole across the country is that almost every conference is going to be tied into at least one or two of the hotspots across the country. It's kind of hard to avoid that. Um, so it seems like there's just these little pockets like cash Valley might be one of them that's doing fairly well compared to the rest of the nation, which would make it hard for something like, I know they've talked about um, trying to reorganize the schedule if possible to try to maybe 
um, play one season as essentially like a parachute member of another conference. And I feel like that would make it really difficult because which conference are you going to go to that this hasn't been affected? Obviously, some are going forth and wanting to play like the Big 12 and the SEC. Obviously, Utah State's not big enough to play in either one of those conferences. But, you know, there's there's conferences like the Sun Belt who are still playing. So I don't know. Do you think in your either of your opinions, do you think that Utah State would be a viable option for any of those conferences and vice versa. Do you think that one of those conferences or some kind of just conglomerate scenario would be a possibility for Utah state in any way? I, I think, do not. Oh, oh. Yeah. I, I'm kind of on there with Jacob. I just don't think it's going to happen, especially with some of the comments Gary Anderson made. Um, the one idea I did have, and it's another one that unfortunately I just don't think is going to happen is Utah state, the university of Utah and BYU and maybe even Weber state coming together and just playing each other again, playing each other. So you have two, three games. Just have something where we have some football. Utah State playing Utah, and BYU playing Utah State, and BYU and Utah playing. Let's get some fun rivalries. We keep it generally local. We don't have huge travel expenses, but we have games we can play. We put some butts in seats, you know, get a few dollars rolling through the ticket office. And it's not a great substitute, but it is a substitute. It's something. And it would, do, it would go a long way, I think, to have something like that. Unfortunately, I just don't think the athletic directors are willing to make it happen because I imagine that there's a lot of hoops they'd have to jump through to get something like that done. Um, but I think it is possible. And that's why I think – that's why I would suggest it is that I think it is possible. And given the situation, there's a lot of you know, opt-out clauses. Everyone has to invoke their opt-out clauses and all the contracts they've made. So maybe let's just say, hey, let's just play some football. I think the – Big question, obviously, that with that would be, would it all be worth it in the end if you're only playing three or four games? Um, like, obviously, you could try to negotiate some kind of TV contract, but there's going to be almost no way that that's going to be, you know, aired on television. K-Jazz will show it. What's that? K-Jazz will show it. K-Jazz, you're, no, you're right. That's a good shout. They definitely would show it. Yeah. Any kind of football rights. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that is definitely one of the areas that when I initially thought of the idea, you mentioned the hoops that have jumped through. One of them is TV contract. Um, and I don't know how that would work. I don't know if they'd, you know, they'd have to find some. If they wanted to, I think they could make it work. But again, that, there's the question, is it worth it? But keep in mind that, you know, in the state of Utah, ratings would kill it. Yeah. I mean, I mean some of these TV events that, have, that happened during the summer, just absolutely killed it in the ratings. I mean, four guys jacking around on a golf course was big time TV. So that, I mean, that was also it, in like the darkest depths of sports. Sports like not being on television. That was one of the only yeah. things in for like months. Yeah, but so but this would be the like pretty much the only college football for Utah. Like for Utah, I mean, always there's going to be fans of other um, football, but that football is going to be half a country away for the most part. And it's none of their teams. You know, BYU is a huge TV draw. Um, and the University of Utah, obviously, is they're not as big as BYU in terms of TV, but they can still draw um, more eyes. And Utah State's okay. They're obviously very much behind both Utah and BYU. But if you could get a TV contract, against a big if, because um, that would be one of the biggest loopholes, if you get a TV contract, that would bring in a lot of the money and then you can have your socially distance, um, you know, stands, your grandstands. Um, and if you wanted to, maybe you could have the games at one location. I don't know if 
if that's really viable, talking about a bubble or anything like that, um, maybe just at rice echoes or something like that. But again, if, if they put a concerted effort into it, I think it's something they could maybe pull off. But again, the reason I don't think it happened is because there's too many loopholes to, there are too many you know, hoops to jump through to make it financially worth it. But it's a dream. And at this point, all we have are hopes and dreams. <laughs> and what's really interesting is that, um, so a couple of days ago, Gary Anderson was on a conference call with a bunch of media about the situation. And he said that there was almost no shot at playing a spring season. Um, however, uh, John Hartwell went on ESPN U radio, I think it was a couple of days ago. And he thought that there was a possibility of doing something like that. Yeah. So, so when our class starts, which is uh, two weeks from Monday, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, the ability for our student athletes to be able to continue to train and lift weights and do all of those things. You know, we'll have testing protocols in there and, and proper hygiene and the cleaning of facilities and things like that. And, and really, you know, next up, uh, from our perspective, you've got men's and women's basketball uh, and gymnastics, which are all winter sports. Obviously, men's and women's basketball are supposed to start practice uh, early October, and, and we'll, we'll monitor that. But at the same time, uh, you know, we, we are fully committed to at least exploring spring football and seeing what we can do there. I mean, again, student-athlete safety and welfare – uh, has to be at the forefront of that uh, of that discussion. But if we can do that safely, and it's not ideal to play spring football, but if we can do that to to allow uh, to allow our student athletes the ability to compete, and you know there there is a financial component to that too. If we could satisfy uh, you know the games for our television contracts and corporate sponsorship revenues and and ticket sales to some extent. You know, we'd love to do that. It's it's not going to be a balmy 70-degree day if uh, if we kick off, you know, February 20th here in Logan <laughs> against uh, uh, against the University of Nevada. But, hey, if, if it's an opportunity to play and we can do it safely, we, we are certainly going to try to explore all those opportunities. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that, Jake? Do you think that there's any chance that it could be pushed out into the spring? I know we kind of had some text conversations about this, and you had – somewhat of an idea of something that could happen, but do you think that's likely or do you think that's kind of a far shot to the moon? Well, I will say I was surprised by Gary Anderson's remarks. He pretty much said we can't have spring ball because I need my spring season to develop the players. And I thought that was a little bit silly, but obviously that's, he's trying to develop a program and stuff. I will say, though, not to jump in on you, but like there, that is interesting that this will now be the second season that he won't have a spring, a spring camp, which is to some effect probably going to be detrimental to the development of the players. So, Sure. Um, and so first and foremost, I don't think a spring season is happening. I think um, COVID hit in March. The tournament got canceled. They had April, May, June, July, August, September, six months. So they're like, okay, let's find a – the, call, the NCAA was like, all right, you guys are on your own. Conferences, none of them really found a very good contingency plan. Obviously, the virus didn't go away. But so the fact that I saw there was little to no action this whole time. Now, I'm sure that there was so much going on behind the scenes, but none of that was shown forth. Every time that there were representatives from the Mountain West, they'd be like, oh, there's just a lot of uncertainty right now. I don't know. 
and that never changed. And honestly, I don't think that will be changing by the spring. Um, and I don't think that they're going to be able uh, to make it viable. I think it could be viable, um, but just with the lack of leadership and maybe the lack of action, it may not happen. Or, but I think that it would be possible to do a shorter spring season, not like a 10, not a 12 game season because you have to turn around and then hopefully play next fall. But if they could do maybe what Jason was talking about, what if they did that, if they played against the local teams in March, in February, um, something like that would be plausible in my opinion. And, and you, you talk about the, just the infrastructure about the NCAA as a whole, and then talking about the individual conferences not being on the, on the ball and getting these things rolling early enough. I think it was the Big Ten Conference that, you know, a day or two after they announced that they were going to be postponing their season, they had just started negotiations and, and talks about possibly doing a spring season. So it seems like a lot of these things are, are very far behind the curve of where they should be if this is something that's actually going to happen only three, four months down the road. So I think, I think that's something you're, you're definitely spot on about. This is going to be a lot of people getting together and having to make decisions that they just haven't been able to make to this point, which is unfortunate. And nobody's really been willing to step up and put the big boy pants on at this uh, table. So expect them, like you said, to move heaven and earth to play a spring season. All the logistics, I mentioned there, the potential loopholes of having BYU and Utah play a random game in November or February. All the loopholes that go into that. Travel, personnel, TV deals, tickets, all that for one game. Imagine that for eight games. Could they pull that off? Considering they couldn't pull off planning for a 10 10 or however many games season each conference was planning. Could they honestly do that? I doubt it. Especially given that they're already going to be focusing a lot on trying to get college basketball to not be canceled, which I'm still optimistic about college basketball, but that's because I still have two months to be optimistic about it. <laughs> We've run out of time for football. So, you know, if college basketball still happens, if college basketball happens, I'll be optimistic about maybe being able to do something with football next fall. Um, I'm just, I don't see anybody. I'll see Plenty of people talking about spring football. We'll see people talking about spring football for about a month and a half. But my prediction would be once nothing happens, that talk will die out by late September. However far away a month and a half is. (laughs) And obviously another big factor in all of this is not just the logistics and infrastructure, but the financial ramifications of something like this happening. Um, I know that's something that you brought up earlier, Jake. Um, and, and Jason, you're able to find some of the old financial um, numbers on, on Utah State's spending for all of its athletics departments. Do you have any of those up with you? Uh, yeah, the financial numbers, um, I should, you should give yourself credit because I found them a long time ago. You were the one who refound them. Um, Fair I, brought them up, I brought them up because I found them a year ago and, and you were able to dig them up. So uh, you should at least give yourself some of that credit. Um, team as far. <laughs> Team effort isn't accurate to describe it. Um, <laughs> but as far as you mentioned the financials, so with a program like Utah State being the smaller program, a lot of its financials does come from just institutional support. Um, but also like with most football, brings in a lot of revenue. So like for you know football and men's basketball, the only 
programs that are really pulling a profit here. Football, and we have the 2017-18 the operating budget. So football makes a little over $5 million. Men's basketball makes just under eight hundred grand. But now with football, that revenue is effectively zero. Um, I don't know if they're still going to pull in some revenue um, from some random place, but it's, it's effectively going to be zero. And the thing with Utah State is, you know, when you look through kind of the year by year, these operating budgets, they'll stay in the black by 10,000 or so. For instance, in 2017, 18, they were $18,694 on the positive side. So they scrape by, they balance their budget by a little bit, <clears throat> which is actually commendable given the state of pretty much everybody. Nobody seems to stay on budget. But Utah State has managed to do just fine. Okay, well, not $5 million off of that uh, operating budget. And suddenly you go from being comfortably in the black to $5 million in, you know, in the red. Keep in mind the entire operating budget of all of the women's varsity programs for 2017-18 was $4.9 million. That's how much it costs to run the women's sports programs. And that's something – that's right up there. That's, that's the amount of loss you're looking at for the overall you know, budget for athletics. So that's, that's not something you tank easily. And it will take a concerted effort for Utah State to not have to cut some of these programs. Yeah, so that's obviously something that we haven't seen with Utah State thus far, but we've been seeing with a lot of schools across the country. Um, and Utah State, uh, I think it was just yesterday, started their um, kind of their giving campaign to help you know donate to the the, the losses that they'll be taking in, obviously with no athletics. Um, but so you, you mentioned basically the the cost of running women's sports is basically offset by the football revenue. Do you think that there will be any chance that some of these sports will end up being cut or, or will have to find another creative way to get funded? Or do you expect the university to, through their, their essentially crowdfunding campaigns that they're doing and stuff like that, to be able to supplement any of those losses? I think, uh, I think John Harwell's already said something about um, not wanting to cut any of the programs. And so I think, there is a determination, uh, a level of determination from Utah State to not cut any of the programs. First off, because then if they cut a women's program, they don't keep in mind that only the men's basketball and football are the programs turning a profit. So there's, what, five men's programs, however many men's programs there are that don't make a profit. Um, but I, I think they're going to try and keep all the teams uh, just because there's a lot to go into because they as I started saying, if you cut a women's team, you have to cut a men's team, or maybe multiple men's teams, depending on which women's team you were to cut, because you have to balance title line and the scholarships you hand out. So, and just the the prospect of cutting an entire program is that's that's a hard thing to swallow. Just getting rid of an entire program, it's history. That's not something you want to have to do. You don't have to walk into a you don't want to have to walk into a locker room full of men or women and tell them not only are you not having a season, you're not a program. You don't have a scholarship. Good luck. Yeah. That, okay, that's not Jake, an easy thing to do. Jake, I threw to you earlier on this. I want to get your thoughts as well. What are your thoughts on all of this? Sure. Um, well, college sports is a, 
world of the haves and the have-nots. And in reality, Utah State in this situation is a have-not. Um, you guys mentioned, I think the athletic program does a fantastic job. Um, it's a smaller community up here, but we have really nice facilities. We got the Wayne S's Center. We got a beautiful football locker room. Um, they do a lot of great things on a really low budget. Um, and I think they maximize it. And, but with the, the loss of the revenue from football, um, if they played, they still would have had TV revenue if the Mountain West played, but likely there would be less fans in, in the stands and they would have lost a lot of money from that. They would have lost money because they're not getting their payout game that they rely on every year that it would have been, I think it was a million dollars from Washington this year. So just those automatic expenses that they're missing out on um, is really going to hurt um, the program. I believe Utah State will continue. They get a lot of institutional support from uh, the state of Utah. And I believe that that will continue to happen. And I think for, um, for the athletic program to avoid cutting um, some of their teams is they're going to need an increased amount of money from this, the state of Utah to kind of help them out, at least for this year, maybe a little bit for the next couple of years. Um, so I hopefully – that doesn't happen. If it does, Dalton, I think that soccer should be the first to go. <laughs> That's a shot directly at me. <laughs> Joking. The, 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 the two worst programs that have been going for the last few years are soccer and volleyball, which unfortunately both have to be women's sports. Oh, no, that's not fair. Women's soccer was good last year. Was it good last year? Okay. Yeah, and I, you're and selling I for it. They beat I guess the best I was thinking team of, in the I conference was, on the last week. I think I was thinking of two years ago, I guess. So women's soccer – Women's volleyball, or just volleyball, that, that was easily the worst program last year. Now that is fair. I can't, I can't argue against that, <laughs> unfortunately. But um, like, yeah, you're mentioning, Jacob, the institutional support accounts for nearly three quarters, or excuse me, uh, one third of the total revenues brought in by the university, according to at least 2017 and 2018's revenue budget. Um, so if we, if we separate ourselves from the expenses right now um, and just talk about the overall the teams and athletes, what do you think can be done about kind of helping these athletes out in, in, in the way of maybe having their scholarships be honored? Is that something that is, is possible? Do you think that there's going to be um, an, an extension of eligibility? Do you think, do you see any of those things being likely scenarios? Um, I, well, the thing is with the scholarships that I would be sh shocked to see them not be honored. Because giving scholarships to athletes has been the method of making profit for NCAA for 100 years. Because uh, scholarships don't really cost the university all that much. Next to nothing. Um, there's some downside to class space and all that and whatnot. But generally, they're offering, you know, it's a university offering compensation in the form of a service that it can provide. Uh, so they're not losing any money by honoring a scholarship because the value is in something they already have. So honoring the scholarships is easy. The tricky part will be to see, well, are they going to cut down on tutoring and the, the various aspects they, they give to athletes that are kind of a bonus um, on top of that, that do cost them money because they have to pay the tutors and pay for the facilities and, and yada, yada, yada. So 
that'll be the area to watch and see if they cut those or try and keep them to support the athletes. Um, so, so that'll be the area to watch academically. Uh, I forgot the rest of your question. I feel like I had something to say about it. So. Do, do you think there's a chance that um, eligibility will be extended um, similar to what, what happened last year with oh, yeah, sports? Oh, yeah. El- yeah, eligibility. Yeah, that, that definitely is the – that's probably the biggest question is eligibility. I think they will. It'll create maybe a bit of a mess, but I don't – it's not one you can't generally get around. They would have to face the possibility of awarding teams more scholarships to give out. That's where I think the mess could happen because you only get so many scholarships and suddenly if you keep a you know a football team if they have you know 30-ish scholarships that they you know kind of cycle through with the seniors going out and the freshmen coming in suddenly you have 30 that stay well what do they do with the 30 incoming freshmen or you know whatever number it is that could be a, that can be a bit of a mess so that'll kind of be another area to watch where you know action has to be taken as far as you know awarding more scholarships and playing things out because the logistics of just saying the the seniors stay on the team as far as just football operations it works just fine you know the seniors stay another year but as far as kind of the behind the scenes operations that's where things i think can get messy well i would say um it obviously it's going to be a logistical nightmare um the ncaa should do the right thing and expand scholarships for next season but I will say, as seeing this from the individuals on the football team per se, um, the, some of these guys, the seniors, most of them are not going to be playing in the NFL. Um, they are getting their degrees. Some of them have families, wives, girlfriends, whatever. They're looking forward to move on with their lives. And this is when, even if they get an opportunity at a second chance, um, that a lot of them probably aren't going to take it because just life circumstances. And that's kind of, there's no way to make that up to these athletes. And so that's one of the greatest casualties of this is um, like you only have a small window to be a high level, like to be a division one football player takes so much skill and training. And there's only a small window of your life that you can do that. And I don't think it's easy to be like, oh, I'll just keep training one extra year. Now, some of these players will do it, um, but others won't. And that's kind of a really sad reality of this for me is even if they extend um, the scholarships and the eligibility to next year, which they absolutely should, um, it still won't be the same for some of these athletes. Yeah, A couple points, and one building off of yours, Jacob, someone was very poignant that I heard Joe Burrow commented on it, saying that, Last season had been canceled. He'd be looking for a job right now. You're talking about the number one pick in the NFL draft this last year. If last season hadn't, if you know this season, this situation happened last season, he'd be out looking for a job. You know, and I forget what he studied, but you know, if he was studying biology, he'd look to become like a biology teacher somewhere or something, or work in some lab in middle of nowhere, Missouri, or something like that. Do you think but he's now, still, like taking kids out during recess and like chucking sixty-yard bombs during <laughs> on the football field? Maybe, maybe he would have been a gym teacher. Maybe a dang good <laughs> gym teacher at that, or maybe a high school coach or something like that. But uh, yeah, we're talking about a guy who's now making millions of dollars because of one season. So you said, Jacob, there's that kind of small window. Some players just 
because of how, you know, you know, history term, turns on a dime and careers and lives can turn on the smallest thing. There are some players who there's potentially a hall of fame player who will now never make the NFL because of this, um, which is a really sad thing to think about. Um, but I, I would hope, I think there's actually an excellent opportunity for the, the non NFL prospects in this because without the season, this is a chance for them. If they get their scholarships extended, this is a chance for them to get free school where they don't have to focus on playing this long season. And, you know, they'll actually get extra time to study. And so I think for a lot of players who normally would have to deal with the fact of basically doing two full-time jobs, being, you know, a college player and being a student, which is one of the most ridiculous things to balance they'll have a chance to focus on school. And so I think it's actually, it's like the silver lining. You never, you know, obviously none of these players wanted um, the season to be canceled. I don't think there's a single person on the planet who wanted the season to be canceled, but there is that silver lining that I think for maybe your average ordinary player, they can make good out of this, which is like, at this point is the best thing we can hope for is just try and find the good in every situation here. So there's some players who will probably look, back on this is not alone but maybe the best thing that happened to them although in the moment it's the worst thing that could happen yeah no that's a great point um one thing we haven't talked about as well kind of going along with eligibility and and moving towards possible futures for these players um the the pac-12 and the big 10 when they both came out with their we are united um coalitions and stuff like that they one thing that they were asking for was uh to have a, a an immediate transfer a one-time immediate transfer. Do you think that's something that could be potentially implemented with all the circumstances going around? And do you think that would help facilitate any of that excess in scholarships that we were just talking about? It's already something that was gaining steam um, before this, especially in college basketball. Um, and they've accepted, the NCAA has accepted waivers from players that maybe traditionally they wouldn't have accepted. Um, and so I believe that uh, this is another thing, logistics, you have to figure that out. But I think that would be, that would be a fantastic opportunity for these players um, to be able to, to be able to go and transfer and change the whole dynamic of um, college football. We got to have an entire discussion on the positives and the negatives of just completely opening the transfer way the portal, not making them sit out here. But I think now in this immediate situation, um, if they really care, uh, put the players above all else, that would be something that they should do. I don't know if it would alleviate the problems with, you know, having an entire senior class stay an extra year. I Maybe I'm just not looking at it the right way. Um, but, I do think that the one-time transfer should be a thing. Like Jacob said, that's, that's been gaining steam. I, I think it's an inevitability that that will happen. And it's a good thing. You always want to give players the chance to have a better situation. And obviously keeping it at kind of a one-time non-penalty transfer um, just to limit people who transferring 17 times. Um, we don't need that. We don't need any more Tate Martells in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if – the one-time transfer would fix anything as far as the problems that will arise from extending players. Um, but yeah, again, it's just something that should happen. 
And of course, we could have, like you mentioned having an entire podcast, we could have an entire podcast on the subject of um, those Pac 12 demands, some of which are <laughs> things that should already be happening, some of which were very questionable. I'll say that. Sure. It, it seemed like when the Big Ten came out with their demands, um, and then the, the Mountain West following that, um, it started to be a little bit more reasonable, reasonable in my opinion, of some of the things that were um, a lo- the institutional stuff of the, the you know asking um, the the conferences and the coaches to take like immediate pay cuts and stuff like that. That's stuff that just doesn't happen overnight. Like, yeah, some of the stuff about like racial injustice and all that stuff is obviously something that should be already done and already in place. But if you're going to ask Larry Scott to take immediate four point five million dollar pay cut, that's just that's going to be a tough ask. Yeah, it was well, one of the things as far as you, you mentioned racial injustice, obviously that is a thing that should be addressed. The one thing I thought was questionable is basically giving like hiring a bunch of um, administrators or whatever you want to call them of the football players choice, which basically means giving hiring power to a bunch of 19 year old mm. college students, which that was weird. Um, yeah. Like, uh, that's that's not how you should go about doing that. Obviously, addressing these problems should be happening, but don't give hiring power at your university to an 18-year-old football player. That's although there is the question of representing football, well, not just football players, but all athletes. There is the question of how well represented are the athletes in their spheres because there is a representation, but it's and and I've talked to players who are part of that representation process i do question how much of an impact they have is it a real impact or is it like student council and elementary school level impact yeah yeah like like you both said we could have a whole podcast on this and something we probably should do in the future but um we've talked about a lot of kind of uh negative or unfortunate topics on the on this podcast i want to end on on a positive note are there anything uh, that either of you see that brings optimism or any any positivity about what could happen with Utah State athletics moving forward? Um, at the moment, then my only hope is college basketball. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's that's my only optimistic hope because the this football season is done. It's it's over. It's not going to happen, barring you know. The, the dream possibility of having a game or two or a spring season. So really at this point, it's make the best of what you can. Like I said, the, so there are some college athletes who can make some positive out of this with their um, academics. Um, and maybe there'll be a player who takes the extra year and is able to make it work in his athletic career. Maybe there's somebody who used an extra season of development and makes the NFL and, uh, and is able to do something like that. Um, so those are probably really the only – optimistic takes that I can I know it's a tough ask right now Jason I'm sorry (laughs) I mean I I could spout off you know platitudes about bonding and coming together as a community but well uh, let's say that (laughs) again those might like I said just be platitudes so high school football is still happening there's that that is true. Maybe maybe a lot more focus will be on some of these high school athletes and maybe some of them get a little bit more shine and end up with a scholarship at the end of it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there's a lot of doors closing, but there's a few that are opening. And that's, you know, we, we've brought up a couple here, but I think there's a lot of ways people can make the most of this. Yeah, I think, I don't know about optimism. I think 
um, before Just throw it out the window. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I, Sorry, think before I mean, the it's the world we're living in. Like, you don't have to try to hide <laughs> behind optimism. It's fair. It's fair to be pessimistic. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty pessimistic because took away March Madness, couldn't have made a run. Now you take away football. <laughs> and so now what I'm worried about <clears throat> is I, they, I guess you didn't hear. They need to do everything in their power to make college basketball happen this year. John Hartwell and the whole squad. Because here's the deal. The, with the testing, testing's only going to get cheaper. I heard something about how they had a breakthrough with the saliva thing. And maybe that's going that. be a realistic thing. And on top of that, with basketball, it's 15 players or 12 players, 15 players, assistants. Just It's not as big of a team as football. So it's much more manageable from a financial point to have all these testings. And I don't know if the, I don't think the bubble is a realistic thing that could happen with college basketball because these are amateurs that have to go to school and stuff. But I think the optimism or it's just the, the hope that college basketball can still happen because reality is this is going to be Namias Keta's probably his last rodeo at Utah State unless he decides to come back again, again, again. But if the season's canceled, he'll come back. Yeah, because he won't have any draft. <laughs> but I just uh, I feel like now is the time. Now that football is completely canceled for the fall, I think they got to take their losses. And now just obviously football's the moneymaker. Needed this, they need, there's a lot of things that need to be figured out, but they, I don't think there's a reason for basketball not to happen. And so I think that the optimism is we have October, November, September, October, November. We have three, four months. We could even push the season back to January. We have some time to be like, all right, this is what didn't work with football. This is what we need to change. And this is how basketball can happen. And they need to go make it happen. So. Yeah. So here's my conspiracy theory take to kind of end things out. If the season does get canceled, what would you say the percentage chance of Namish going and playing somewhere like Portugal is? Like, I mean, like just going there is like a pre-draft thing and just playing there and then going to the NBA. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know. Let's see. I don't know what leagues play around. Like maybe he just goes to the NBA anyway. Um, I don't know. There would still be that, that, that three or four month separation though, between the NBA combine starting to go and the end of the NCAA season. So really the only thing you could do is if they play another fee, but like U 20 tournament or something like that. Well, I mean, there's pro leagues and stuff like that over there. Most of them are still going. Yeah. So if it goes there, I mean, I guess that's a possible, I just haven't thought of it. So I, you kind of caught me off guard with that question there. Well, that's why it's a conspiracy theory. It is. It's not supposed to be realistic. It's supposed to be crazy. I conspiracy theories are are uh, they're realistic the first time you hear them. <laughs> it's every other time you hear them that they slowly break down. Um, at least the best ones. The best ones are the ones that sound real the first time you hear them. Fair enough. Okay. Um, I think that about wraps it up for us. Do you, either of you have anything else to say? Um, Gaweggies is a great slogan. Oh my gosh. And we had to end on this, Jake. Come on Wait, now. Are you referring to like the that 
Louisiana <laughs> Go Aggies thing. No, that Aggies. Oh, fantastic! I could Wait. get behind the Louisiana style. E A U X, but the Guaggies makes absolutely oh, no sense. Oh, that's the oh, jeez. I'd never, I'd never heard of that. Like seriously, I'd never heard of it. Which should probably tell you how irrelevant it is that you know even I haven't heard of it, and I spend way too much of my time on Aggie Twitter. <laughs> so that tells you how dumb it is. <laughs> and that's the podcast. That's all we need to say. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys another episode. Um, no, but for real, um, I think that probably does it for us. So. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter or on Twitter at DRen underscore sports. Uh, Jake, do you want to give the people your handle? My Twitter handle is at Jacob Nielsen 12, not Jacob Nelson, Jacob Nielsen 12. <laughs> he tweets hashtag Guo Aggies. <laughs> yeah, just, just search that on Twitter and you'll find Jake all over the place. <laughs> and, and block and unfollow. No, I'm just I, I honestly don't really care that much. Uh, I'm not really that far. It's not like pineapple on pizza. Um, which oh we'll, gosh we'll okay we that. need to end the podcast now these are terrible ideas <laughs> jason what do you want to give the people your handle uh, it's at the jaywalk 67 okay perfect yeah and always you can follow uh the statesman sports at statesman sports on twitter uh statesman on instagram you can follow on usustatesman.com um and you can catch this in all the regular podcast feeds as well and on the statesman sports youtube channel so That's it for us this week. Appreciate you guys listening. Catch you another time. Peace.